try that again. And now, introducing my, my, this here Glenjamin guy. Slow and steady, he was heavy. Now he says no to fries. No more tall boys, he won't drink whiskey or rye. No alcohol for this here Glen guy. He is Glenn Clark. Not bad. I mean, it's it's the effort was was certainly there. I, I wrote um, it on the way over here. I'm I'm good with that. Um, good morning. It's Glenn Clark. Ready? I dated a girl who referred to me as this is not a joke. Referred to me as Glenjamin. Um, constantly, constantly. That was who I was to this girl. I was just did not met in any circumstance. We would go out and um and have like real events and like be around people and she would be like introducing me to her friends and family and be like and. This is my boyfriend. By the way, we we were barely that. She'd be like, "This is my boyfriend, Glenjamin." I swear to God, and I'd be like, "What the f is that? Like, what in the world is that?" So, um, it did spark a memory when you uh, when you said that this morning, or you put included that in your lyrics. Yes, good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn, and he's Paul, and the reason why Paul was uh, doing that is because the great Don McLean is going to join the show this morning, which is still a surreal sentence. Um, I've tried talking to people about it over the last couple of days. I-, I got an email last week from someone I know in the world of public relations who said, hey, question for you, would you be willing to have Don McLean on your show? And I thought that I I must be missing something because like there was a basketball player, a legendary basketball player at UCLA named Don McLean, and I've had him on a few of my shows, particularly when it worked out on the West Coast because he did a lot of Pac-12 basketball then. And I was like, um, I mean, I, sure, I yeah, I would I would guess. And then I read it again, and like it was not spelled Don. That Don McLean has an M A C. This was spelled the way that Don McLean spells his name. So I was like, Don Don McLean, Don McLean, like. Is this really a question? F yes! Don McLean is responsible for the soundtrack of so many of the moments that meant the most to me in my life. Um, you know, growing up, being in a, in a car with my father, he'd be listening to Steve Rouse and WQSR back in the day, some good time oldies, and it was, you know, I, Ken Zalis said to me the other day, he's like, I'm pretty sure American Pie was like the first song I really knew the words to in my life. And Ken's a couple years older than I am, but it's 100% the case for me. I know that to be factual because I, I some, literally some of the first memories that I have are being in the car with my father and American Pie coming on and him turning it up and us belting out the words to American Pie, when I was, you know, probably my son's age, six years old, seven years old, something in that neighborhood, um, because it's meant that much to me. So, uh, and then as I got older, it was one of those songs you could put on at the point of the night where everyone was inebriated, um, and everybody would just start singing along and maybe crying at some point. It was a lot of that. Um, if you knew a guy who played the guitar, I, I met a, 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 a guy who played the blues. I asked him for some happy news. I would just ask anybody, anytime there was somewhere, like you would do like a campfire event, somebody would bring their guitar. At some point during the night, if you were doing a certain amount of drinking, I would say, okay, it's time for an American Pie sing-along because it was the way you could get everybody that was at the event to start participating. So um, this is really surreal to me. Don McLean celebrating the 50th anniversary. 50 years ago this week, American Pie hit number one on the Billboard charts. It would stay there for a month. I am pretty... I I, I can't believe... I, and I just something I didn't know until I was getting ready to talk to Don McLean. It was the longest-running number one song 
in the history of music until this past year when it was replaced by the 10-minute version of All Too Well by Taylor Swift. And with no disrespect, because this that particular Taylor Swift song is far better than the like songs that she had put out for a few years. Taylor Swift had like a really great period of putting out iconic pop tunes, and then she thought she was a great folk singer, and everybody told her that, despite the fact that it's not good. Like, it's just not good. It's just that we all like Taylor Swift, so we're unwilling to talk about the fact that, like, her last record stunk. Um, so it's an awkward conversation that nobody wants to have, and I'll continue. Andrew Stecken can get as defensive as he wants whenever we do this. The last Taylor Swift record was not good. It wasn't that it was... It won album of the year at the Grammys. It's not just that it didn't deserve that. It's that it wasn't a good record. It was melodic and bad. Um, and that's okay. Everybody gets to have one of those. We just should be willing to, as adults, say that. This, because this was, of course, a remake of one of her old records... This is better than that, because this is when she was making good music. But all all due respect, the notion of All Too Well being the song that knocked off American Pie is, is that's an indignity. <laughs> and that's, again, with respect to Taylor Swift, who I think mostly is a very good performer and has made some very good songs over the years. Her early stuff stunk, and then she really settled into like a nice five to eight year period of making significant pop songs that mattered and were really good and, and and iconic, frankly. This is not that. This is a song that we just have nostalgic feelings about or whatever, but it's not that. And it, knocking off American Pie, maybe the greatest song of all time, that is a travesty, man. Like, that's a, a travesty. That should not be happening. But, alas... It's the case. Uh, no longer the longest-running number one song in the history of music, American Pie, but still the most important, frankly, song in the history of music. Don McLean is going to join the program a little bit later on, which is just such a s- surreal thing to say. Uh, he's coming to the Lyric Opera House this summer to celebrate the 50th anniversary of American Pie. Also this morning, we are going to chat with um, Patrick Stevens, as we do every Tuesday. We'll talk college hoops. I, I guess we'll keep talking Maryland, but there's not anything to say. They're just not good. They play again tonight on the road at Michigan. I, and, and I know I've joked over the last couple of years about, like, man, you know, I don't even really watch the games. If I was home and the game was on, I assure you I was still watching the games the last few years. Tonight, I've got nothing else. There's no football to watch. I don't have a game to do myself. I will be home tonight at 7 o'clock, and I don't know that I will even put the game on for as much as a minute. There's just nothing There's nothing to learn. There's nothing to see. The, they, I, one of the most re- absurd things that I've heard, sort of like Taylor Swift, um, they landed a, 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 tr- a transfer over the weekend. This, this kid, Cassius McNeely, I believe Texas A&M, decided to tra- it was a double-digit scorer, decided to transfer to the University of Maryland. Which makes no bloody sense. Like, <laughs> you don't know who the coach is going to be. Why would you transfer to Maryland right now? It's so weird to me. I tried reaching out to him. I haven't heard back from him yet because I do want to talk to him. Like, it's such a strange decision to make. I'm going to transfer to Maryland having no effing clue who the coach is going to be. And that's part of the problem even with watching this team. It's not just that they're bad. It's that I don't know if any of these players are going to be part of this moving forward. I know Jeff Ehrman, when we talked to him last week, seemed pretty convinced that uh, Julian Reese would probably stick around no matter who the coach was, you know, because his sister's there and he's from Baltimore. And 
you know, seems to think that Julian Reese's decision to go to Maryland was less about Mark Turgeon and more just about Maryland, and that might ultimately end up being true, but I, I would still need to know that, and that's the tricky part. Like, I can't even watch right now and say, yeah, they're, they're no good, but I want to see Julian Reese play because, you know, he's, he's what they're building around moving forward. Well, I hope he is, but I don't know that either. This is college basketball in 2022, man. I have no idea who's going to be a part of this thing moving forward, so... Um, but there is good college basketball. Towson got another win yesterday. Loyola's kept rolling. They're tied with Navy atop the Patriot League standings. Um, there is good college basketball that's happening in this area, and I would encourage you to support it and get out to games if you're comfortable being out in places like that um, because there is good college basketball. There was an absolute, if you did not see it over the weekend, Morgan Coppin, which is always wonderful. If you've never done Morgan Coppin, and and we can probably have an open and honest conversation about this, either because you're frankly white and you're a f- you you have some irrational fear of going to games at Morgan and Coppin. One, shame on you. Two, if you're a sports fan in this area and you believe you are a Baltimore sports fan, and you've never gone to a Morgan Coppin game strike that from the record you are not the baltimore sports fan that you think you are you're an orioles fan you're a ravens fan you're not a baltimore sports fan morgan coppin is at the heart of baltimore sports what it means to our city is overwhelming i didn't get to go on saturday because i was working a game at loyola but i've been to a number of morgan coppin games over the years and they're always unreal the atmosphere is unlike anything else you can get in this area and if you missed it on Saturday, the Morgan Coppin game ended on a half-court buzzer beater from Nenda Tark as Coppin State beat Morgan, I think it was 79-76. It was incredible. It was awesome. College basketball in this area is really good. You don't have to just say, well, I'll watch the Capitals for the next couple of months. You can actually support the things that happen here. Just because Maryland's bad or uninteresting doesn't mean you can't be a part of college basketball season. And I get it. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to say you're an awful person. But it would be nice if we actually embraced the things that were ours a little bit more. And there's really good college basketball happening. It would be nice if we would embrace that a little bit. I'm off my soapbox. We'll talk to Patrick Stevens about it in a minute. Also this morning, Andrew Brandt's going to join us, a uh, longtime Packers executive, uh, now with SI. He's, of course, been in the media for a bit. Um, we're going to chat with him about Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's contract situation and his future. I'll throw out my theory that you know, if, if uh, they make him prove it, I would request a trade if I was Lamar Jackson. I would say, let me get in on this quarterback market. Um, not every team is going to be able to get Russell Wilson. We don't actually know if Aaron Rodgers is even going to be available. Um, there are too many teams that need quarterbacks. If you want me to prove it, let another team pay me instead, is what I would do if I were Lamar Jackson. And I wrote about that at PressBoxOnline.com, and I'm not going to waver from it, kind of no matter what Andrew Brandt says when we talk to him. Um, if I'm... Lamar Jackson and you're the Baltimore Ravens and you're saying well we want you to prove it another year I've proven it there's no more proving it I get it it was a rough four weeks the week before that I was one of the front runners for MVP this season stop the nonsense let's get the deal done 
And I don't know that the problem is on that side. It might very well be that Lamar Jackson's saying, come hell or high water, what I want is $60 million a year. I mean, I don't I have no reason to think that's the case, but that might be. I mean, it's, it's possible there's just something we don't know, that he's looking for a number that truly is unprecedented. And that could be part of the problem the Ravens are dealing with, right? I, this is the problem with Lamar Jackson having not having an agent. We just don't really have all the details. But we'll talk more about it with uh, Andrew Brandt, a man who knows a thing or two about contracts, a little bit later on in the show. So that's what's coming up on the program today. If you missed it, uh, we announced that uh, we're going to do our first sort of game watch event at Live Casino and Hotel. As the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, and I will be there this Sunday for the what it, we now know is the Rams-Buccaneers game at 3 o'clock. Come join us in the FanDuel Sportsbook. We're going to have a great time hanging out. Reed and I will do some sort of content uh, during the quarter breaks and at halftime. But more than that, we're just going to be there hanging out with you. We're going to be looking. We're going to be making bets together. I, despite having a terrible weekend in picks, had a very good night last night uh, between um, deciding I was going to go heavy on the Rams, and I, I was happy that I did that, I uh, also made quite a few tennis bets last night, put in a through few parlays, and it was a it was a good night for your boy betting wise. I mean, it was like a it was a good night. I probably came out on top by like two hundred bucks last night. It was a pleasant evening after a bad weekend of NFL f- uh, playoff picks. It was a nice salvation, and very much needed in our picks contest that I got that last night. So I go back ahead of Kyle Ottenheimer by one game going into um, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So. Not much breathing room, but at least I'm not trailing, which was a real possibility going into last night. The Cardinals, yuck, we'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, uh, this Sunday, we're all going to hang out. We're going to bet together. Uh, just have a good time. If you haven't checked out the FanDuel Sportsbook yet, it's time for you to see it. It's immaculate. I was told they put in an additional 20 self-service kiosks uh, from the last time I was there. So it's it could not be easier for you. I believe they're up to 50 total self-service kiosks now for betting. Uh, could not be easier for you. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can go right up to the machine, punch it in, and go that route to make your bets. That's what we're going to be doing on Sunday at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel in Hanover. Look forward to seeing you there. Uh, are we having an issue related to MixLR by chance this morning? I just got a message from somebody that said we might be. We good? It says we're good. Yeah, are we on the right account? That's part of the problem. Or are we on uh, up in the corner? Look at that. Are we on the wrong account? It says uh, press box. Yeah, it should be on the Glenn Clark Radio account. All right, so that's that's the issue that we're having. My apologies to everyone. Um, that's something that's got to be changed after the Saturday show because you guys don't 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 do it now. We're not gonna. We'll just okay. stay there. Um, that's an, uh, my apologies for that being the case. We'll try to get that fixed moving forward. Um, it's something we got to do every week, and uh, you know, it, sometimes these things happen. But we'll just we'll. Yeah, so that, that's 100% my fault. I didn't even think about yeah, it. Yeah, um, you know what? I'm going to strike that. Go ahead and switch it. Switch Go ahead and it. switch it because we got a recording running of the show, so we can we can upload that later on today. So that's my fault uh, for not seeing it earlier. Thank you guys for letting me know that there was an issue. Um, okay, now, a couple things. One, related to the game last night, obviously not good for the Arizona Cardinals. It was a, t- a terrible performance, and it was a bummer after a weekend – of bad football games to have there be one more. Just a real bummer that for the weekend we got one, you know, I I guess two good football games, 
And even those were kind of wonky, but they were at least good football games. And for utter and complete duds. It's a bummer. There's kind of no getting around that. It's a bummer that, that you know the majority of the games that were played on this first weekend ended up being utter duds. As I said yesterday, it's not gonna, you know, say you're not gonna get me to say this is why there should be fewer teams in the playoffs. It's not like this every year. It was a weird weekend, and every circumstance was maybe a bit different, right? Like you could say the Eagles didn't belong, or the Steelers didn't belong. If you want to do the bit where you say, I don't think there should be seven teams in the playoffs, you're rewarding mediocrity. That's fine. The Cardinals were the best team in the NFL for the bulk of the season. And they fell off when they lost DeAndre Hopkins. And that's, if we're being honest, the real problem in relation to not just adding another game, but the nature of a football season to begin with, is injuries make it that football ends up being, to some extent, a war of attrition. And, and we know that more than anything in Baltimore. A healthy Baltimore Ravens team would be quite compelling going into the postseason. But many Ravens fans found themselves saying going into week eight, uh, 17 or week 18, I don't even know that I want this team to get in. Because why do I want to watch this secondary get up? If they happen to luck their way into a spot, they're going to get abused by the Kansas City Chiefs. Why would I want to watch that? And that is one of the issues the NFL is dealing with. When you've got all the players on the field, the product is really good. And if all of these teams were completely healthy, my gut is you'd have seven really compelling playoff teams in both leagues. The problem being, it's nearly impossible. And by the time you actually get to the playoffs, the Arizona Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins are a more competitive, interesting, compelling football team. Would they have beaten the Rams last night? I don't, I don't, you know, obviously it was lopsided. There's no reason to feel that way. But it definitely would have been a different game because they were a completely different team when they had a healthy DeAndre Hopkins. The Baltimore Ravens were an utterly and completely different football team when they just had a few injuries instead of all of them. It is difficult in the NFL to keep star players from every team on the field, it's impossible, for the entirety of the season. And it leads to this, where you get to the playoffs and ultimately the answer is, who's in the best shape health-wise? We talked about this with Rocky Boyman going into the Ravens' second meeting with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are a remarkable story. And as much as the story is about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, it's about something else. They've been unbelievably lucky from a health standpoint. Incredibly lucky from a health standpoint to keep their players on the field throughout the course of the season. Remarkable. They weren't as fortunate a year ago, right? They lost Joe Burrow. And at the point at which they lost Joe Burrow, they had nothing left. The Ravens, the last time they won the Super Bowl, they were pretty fortunate. They lost Ladarius Webb. They lost Jameel McClain. But for the most part, they got their guys back. They got Ray Lewis back. They got Terrell Suggs back. And you could say those guys were kind of a shell of themselves when they got back. They came back. For the most part, they were pretty fortunate from a health standpoint. The bummer about the NFL playoffs is that after 17 games, you're going to get this. 
and we can scream and you can yell at the team and you can say the Cardinals are a joke or Kyler Murray's a fraud or Cliff Kingsbury's that, but we all know because we all watched this season what happened to them. They were an utterly and completely different team without DeAndre Hopkins, which, you know, kind of makes sense considering he's DeAndre Hopkins. We can yell and piss and bitch and moan about Greg Roman. We know the Ravens were a completely different team when they didn't have a running back. It really is that simple sometimes. We try to go to great lengths to solve these problems. Well, maybe you can't have this many teams in the playoffs. So maybe when you lose players, when teams aren't healthy, you're going to have problems. The Ravens had a lot of them. The Cardinals had, I mean, I don't know who else was hurt. I I don't pay that much attention to the Arizona Cardinals, right? I, I know DeAndre Hopkins was out. They might say there was somebody else in alignment or somebody I'm just not thinking of that was particularly significant to them too, but I just don't know who it is. I know they lost Rodney Hudson for a while, but I think they got him back, right? Wasn't he playing last night? Um, they lost Buda Baker during the game. That was very scary, but um, th- thankfully he appears to be okay. Um, health is the story. And when you're playing without your best player, you're not going to be as good of a football team. And it's a bummer for them. Like I don't care because I don't follow the Arizona Cardinals, but it's a bummer for them because this might have been the year. Like They might, five years from now, look back and say that was our best chance was that season. Even without DeAndre Hopkins, the, the, the Rams' secondary was so beat up, Eric Weddle had to come out of retirement after he hadn't played in over 740 days. I don't know that Kyler Murray you know, was still had doing Jalen Ramsey, though. Like You're pretending it's so, it's so beat up. Like They added some depth, and he played a little bit, but like... They still had. They were still quite top heavy. I mean, you, when you start with Jalen Ramsey, and this isn't a down Jalen Ramsey. This is Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in football. Yeah, I get it. You, you, your secondary can only be so bad. I like, get it, and, and, and I, I get that he had to cover AJ Green instead of DeAndre yeah, Hopkins. I, I get that. It's a significant but difference. I, I, I watched the way Kyler played, even with DeAndre. Hopkins. I, I'm not trying to tell you that. Ky- Wait, with DeAndre Hopkins? He was great with DeAndre Hopkins. What are you talking but about? I'm saying even last night, even with DeAndre Hopkins, I don't know that it would have mattered. I mean, if what your point is that Kyler Murray looked like he was a mess, I'm not going to argue that he looked like he was a mess, but it is much easier to be a mess when you don't have a DeAndre Hopkins to throw the football to. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. Now, somebody would say maybe that means Kyler Murray. I, I, I've said abundantly over and over and over and over again over the years. It's, it's sort of like the bit that uh, people were trying to do a few weeks ago where, like, this coach isn't as good without these, you know, that that insane stat that was flying around on Twitter about here's John Harbaugh's record without Lamar Jackson or Ray Lewis. And I'm like, what do you think this means? It's the same thing that we say all the time. And I had this conversation in nauseam when we talked about Joe Flacco. Quarterbacks are better with good receivers around them. This notion that we had that a quarterback is supposed to make the receivers around him better is hogwash it's not a thing it's something we want to be true because it makes us sound smart when we say it but it ain't true every quarterback is better when they have really good receivers around them period plain and simple if you want to say tom brady is the one example of a guy who was able to have a highly productive offense i'm not talking about the randy moss years because clearly he had high level but when you get into like the tail end of that, like the year that Rob Gronkowski was hurt and they won the Super Bowl anyway, we can have that conversation. But you've created one. You've got an example of one guy who was able to survive not having super high-end talent around him. 
tell me the others. List me the other quarterbacks who were really good without having super high-end talent around them. And by the way, that might be a greater testament to Lamar Jackson, who's had maybe better than what Joe Flacco had at some times, but has not had, for the most part, upper echelon talent around them. I guess Mark Andrews is becoming that guy and has become that guy. But to some extent, it's a testament to Lamar Jackson, who, among this group of guys, has Lamar Jackson had Stephon Diggs? Has Lamar Jackson had DeAndre Hopkins? Has Lamar Jackson had, you know, Jamar Chase? None of that. I, don't get me wrong. I, Kyler Murray looked like a mess last night. I'm not trying to argue that. But it's way easier to look like a mess when the guy that you've always been able to throw the ball to, and even when he's covered, you can just throw the ball to him anyway because he's DeAndre Hopkins, isn't there. Um, you need to surround your, your, your quarterback that you believe in. And I don't, I don't know to what extent, extent I think Kyler Murray is. You know, He's clearly far better than the majority of quarterbacks in the NFL. He's in the top third of NFL quarterbacks. Where he is among that group, I don't know exactly. You know, what's the difference between Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott? What's the difference between Kyler Murray and I'm trying to think of somebody who's outside the top, like the top eight? There's a pretty clear. I guess it's pretty clear. You know, anymore, I don't know where Russell Wilson finds himself among this group because it's been it, it, it's been bad. I still think he's that guy. Is he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's definitely better than Jimmy Garoppolo, despite the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing good football. But on at his highest end, Kyler Murray is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, somebody's going to end up probably trading for Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. It, it, it was a tough game to watch, but the story was DeAndre Hopkins. The story of the Cardinal season is losing DeAndre Hopkins. Isn't his contract up? Who's? DeAndre Hopkins. It was only a two-year deal that he signed with Arizona, if I remember correctly. It was some, it was some like astronomical number for two years. And I think his contract's up after this season. I'm wondering if, <laughs> when they see what they are without him, if they bring him back. He's under contract. for. Uh, it's a, I see. Is, there is, they put in a potential out. I don't know what the... I don't know who gets to decide that. The player can void in uh, 2024. Hang on a second. No, he's still under contract through 2022. Then there's an out. After oh, that. Uh, okay. I thought it was a two-year no. deal when he signed last year. It might have been tacked. Or maybe on a two-year extension. Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my gut. Um, no, he's still under contract through 2022, and then he had there is there is some sort of out after 2022, but I don't remember. I don't know if it's his or theirs or or what it is, but. Yeah, he's got a fully guaranteed 2022 deal. Gotcha. Um, but no matter what, it's DeAndre Hopkins. You know, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, he ain't going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's no... Well, tell that to the Texans. Well, I understand, but that's there's only one team that can be that insane. I mean, in fairness, there have been other teams that have been insane related to wide receivers. I mean, it was insane that the Minnesota Vikings decided to move on from Stephon Diggs. They happened to luck out and end up with Justin Jefferson, which is look pretty effing good right like but that required them to use another draft pick on another wide receiver like this notion that they got better well they just sort of moved their deck chairs around um and allowed another team to get much better in the process clearly and that other team that got that guy could win a super bowl whereas the vikings you know that that's not going to be happening clearly uh i don't understand the way the teams have treated star wide receivers in recent years it's been almost insane to me it's it it reeks of this we want to believe we want to force the issue that you're supposed to make the wide receivers around you better and it's just not a thing 
I don't know how long we can continue to say this in, in, without it being remotely true until at some point we get it through our thick skulls that that's not the way that it works. Even if you think you have a quarterback, you still have to surround them with top-notch talent. It's insane. I mean, it's just this... It's, it's a breathless thing that we've said over the years, and we, it's just been accepted. Oh, your quarterback's got to make your receivers better. What? What? And some of it is unscientific, right? Like, some of it is um, how good was Reggie Wayne versus how good was he because he was with Peyton Manning, right? Like, mm. we could do that for eternity, but there's every reason to think Reggie Wayne was a really good wide receiver. There's no reason to think that he was trash and Peyton Manning made him a good wide receiver. Was he better because he was was he more productive because he was with Peyton Manning? Yeah, probably. Probably more productive than if he had been say I'm trying to think of a a, a good example of this. If he had been with um you know, Jay Cutler, like I'm guessing that he wouldn't have been quite as productive, but my gut tells me Reggie Wayne would have been really good no matter where he was. Yeah, yeah. A, a quarterback doesn't make you be able to run routes better and, yeah. and, and have yeah, those, better hands. Those types of things, yeah. 100%. Um, oddly, speaking of Reggie Wayne, I saw today, today is the day that the Hall of Fame voters are getting together to vote, which is really mm-hmm. bizarre. I don't understand that. They're doing it remotely again, um, which, like, I get. Like, that part of it I'm, I wouldn't be all that worked up about. But do they really believe that they can keep this under wraps for the better part of a month? The Hall of Fame class is not scheduled to be announced until the NFL Honors Show, which is the Thursday before the Super Bowl. And, like, I can do math. We've got the divisional round, the AFC championship, the championship round, and then two weeks to a Super Bowl. We're talking about the better part of four weeks until the 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 class is supposed to be announced. I, I'm, you know, I get that. I'm sure all of them are told you're not allowed to say anything. You're not allowed to say anything at all. You certainly these guys aren't going to go out and tweet who the you know the the people that are in that room. By the way, it's always been Garceau. I I don't. I guess it's still Garceau. That's a. I just realized that. I don't know what the story is there. I've never actually done any work on that. Garceau doesn't cover football any longer. He's a baseball broadcaster now. Didn't we have um? Was it Dave Ginsburg last week? You said you still get like for baseball. Well, you still get a ten year. That's and that, and by the way, and it's it's <clears throat> after you get ten years, even after you give up your BBWAA membership. Dave is actually still covering a lot of baseball, so he's not even giving up his membership at this point. I'm I don't know if it's the same for the NFL. I I don't know. Well, it's and it's not the NFL. The NFL has nothing to do with this. This is um, or for the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, I I don't know how it's selected, but and and yes, certainly Scott Garceau watched all of these players and is plenty capable of voting on all these players. He's only one year removed. I don't know what the number would be like. Maybe it would be five years. I, it's very interesting. It's just it would be weird to me that someone and and we just gotta be honest about this, Scott professionally is not covering I mean, maybe i don't know something maybe he still goes to the games because he's the voter like i i don't go to the games any longer so i don't know there's a weird a weird thing that that hit me that his job no longer has anything to do with football and he would continue to be the hall of fame voter it's a weird thing but the point is that scott if he still is the voter and i assume he is because i haven't heard anything about that changing is not gonna like walk out afterwards and start tweeting about who they voted into the Hall of Fame. I get that. Like, that's definitely not the way this is going to go. You're not going to see the voters go on and say something. But, like, for example, 
I'm trying to think of who. So whoever the voter is in Jacksonville that's presenting Tony Baselli today has probably had a lot of. Uh, I I'll, this is something I can tell you about the process. The presenter spends a lot of time with the candidate preparing the presentation. Um, it's why you always see the whenever the inductee goes in, they always take time to talk about who their presenter was because their presenter really does spend a lot of time with them. What what do you want me to tell these people? What do you you're the candidate? What's the message that you want coming across in that meeting about you getting into the Hall of Fame? So whoever the I don't know who it is, I don't know if it's Vito Stellino, whoever the voter is in Jacksonville that's presenting Tony Baselli has been spending a lot of time, presumably, with Tony Baselli. And it wouldn't stun me if Tony Baselli said, Hey man, could you you know, I won't tell anybody, could you tell me? And you're inclined to be like, I don't want this guy to have to sit around and wait. Like, you know, you might code it. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you, but I would just say I'm. It, it's looking good. Something like that, right? Right. I, I just really find it hard to believe that we're not going to find out who made it into the Hall of Fame between now and literally the Thursday before the Super Bowl. I, I get it. These are all journalists. There's all people that that want to guard information, man, but... It's a really long... I just don't understand why it has to be so early that they would do the voting instead of doing it, like, say, the Tuesday of that week. If you want to do it remotely, do it remotely. But maybe on that Tuesday, you have them all get together, and so then you only have to kill two days (laughs) before you announce the class instead of having to kill four weeks. Just a really weird bit that they're doing it that way. Um, but yeah, the, today is the day that the Hall of Fame voters are getting together um, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class and voting on who's going to get in this year. And I guess they're just hoping that they will manage to keep everyone from knowing somehow uh, who it is that ends up getting in. And then one more thing I wanted to get to here at the top uh, from Travis. Travis got to me yesterday and said... Glenn, did you see the hubbub that you started related to Len Elmore? I did, Travis. Um, so Len Elmore came on with us last week. He doesn't want Bruce Pearl. A few of the Maryland websites wrote about that, right? And then Len ended up getting into a back and forth last night with a bunch of different Maryland fans who kind of came after him for about some respectfully, others, you know, about him not wanting Bruce Pearl to be the next coach of Maryland basketball. And... And Len is very, like, he's been going back and forth. And these weren't all tweets that he was tagged in. Like, Len is very clearly in tune with this conversation. And, you know, I love Len. He's one of the people I respect the most. He's incredibly brilliant. Uh, He's literally a lawyer. I mean, he's just one of the smartest people ever. I I think that there is plenty of room for, for there to be disagreement, but yet understanding. I understand where Len's coming from. His thought process is Maryland doesn't need to hire Bruce Pearl. And based on what we know, there's probably more stuff we don't know, right? Like, that's the thought process. If this is what you know, the more likely scenario is there's other things that you don't know about. Or someone might have been willing to take a fall, you know, fall on a sword to protect Bruce Pearl and got, you know, something along those lines. And... I get what he's saying. As I said specifically to Len, the part that we know, you're not going to get it to bother me, related to Bruce Pearl specifically. Specifically, I'm not going to be bothered that he invited Aaron Kraft to a cookout at his house. It's insane that that's a violation. 
in the same way that Darren Rovell is getting all worked up about Miami boosters paying players, you're not going to get me to get worked up about that. You'll never, ever, ever. It's and obviously Rovell is clearly showing his ass. This has been, but he's done that. And he's made a career out of showing his ass. He's never been bothered by it, and he'll tweet out a picture of an ice cream cone at a baseball game, and and people will stop caring about this. It's just sort of the Darren Rovell story. Um, you'll never get me to get bothered about anything that involves uh, an athlete, someone who has skills, getting to receive something because of those skills that they have. In the same way that Don McLean probably got a lot of opportunities that the rest of us didn't get because he wrote American Pie. I'm just going to guess that he got invited to some events that you that Paul and I probably wouldn't be able to get into. Probably. There were probably a few cookouts over the years that Don McLean was welcome at that, that Paul and I we would have been torn away at the door. You ain't going to get me to get bothered about it. I am not bothered by Bruce Pearl. I don't care when you say, well, yeah, but these are the rules. They're bad rules. It's like what I feel. You can't get me to care about the girl that wasn't allowed to compete in the Olympics last year because she tested positive for marijuana. It's nonsense. Stop telling me, yeah, but she understood the rules. F that. It's a bad rule. And we should all be willing to step up and say something about it. Every single one of us that has a brain should be able to say that's a bad rule and it shouldn't exist and it shouldn't be breaking the rules. Yeah, but everybody else was competing on the level. Well, no, one, no, we know that's not true. I mean, we know that about college basketball. Not everyone else was competing on the level. But two, fine. And if you were someone who was, I'm, I'm sorry that not everybody was competing the same way. But it's a bad rule and it shouldn't exist. And I can't be worked up about that. I'm not telling you I think Bruce Pearl should be the basketball coach at the University of Maryland. I've got other candidates that I think I like better. I know I like better. There are other people that I think would be a better option for Maryland to hire than Bruce Pearl. But if it ends up being Bruce Pearl for whatever reason, I'm not going to be worked up about it. Len Elmore doesn't want it to be Bruce Pearl, and I get where he's coming from. He wants to say, I think this is a squirrely person. And I don't want someone who has questionable moral judgment or ethical judgment to be someone developing young people. Okay. I, it's Len Elmore saying it. Len Elmore knows a whole heck of a lot more about that aspect of things than I do. I didn't play high-level college basketball. I was this close. This close. If I had just been like a foot and a half taller, would have really had a chance. You got the shorts and everything, right? Man was there. I mean, I showed up. I had rec specs the whole nine yards. Um, that's Len Elmore's opinion, and I respect it. We don't share the same opinion in that it would be a non-starter. It wouldn't be a non-starter for me. I get the point. I think you can do better. I think you can, too. I think Maryland should be able to do better than Bruce Pearl. But if it ends up being Bruce Pearl, I'm not going to, you know, clutch my pearls, pun intended. I'm not going to tell you that I think it's a shame or I think Maryland should be embarrassed. I'm going to say okay. And as long as he doesn't think, do anything that's actually awful, like really bad things, I'm going to be all right with it. It certainly sparked a lot of conversation last night. Len very much throwing himself in there. I mean, that's respect to Len. Like he's not, 
He doesn't say something and run away from it. He is responding to just about everybody that um, disagrees with his opinion. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, Patrick Stevens will join us. We'll talk a little bit more about Maryland, a lot more about college hoops in general. That's on the way. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. John from Little Rock checking in this morning. It's interesting that the Pats started to lose the to close the season at the same time Judon disappeared from making plays. Wild. 
I, I can't, I gotta be honest with you, I wasn't paying that close of attention to the, the Patriots week in and week out. But, um, I mean, certainly they were better when Matt Judon was flying all over the field and, and making a big difference. There's no doubt about that. Also, said blowouts in the playoffs is nothing new. It's been happening since they started playoffs in the beginning of the league. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, again, it is a bummer that that's, that's going to be the conversation. It was the conversation yesterday. It'll be the conversation again today because of the totality of it. And it did lead to, like, you know, Rita sat here yesterday and said, to me, this is why you, you eliminate the seven seed. I just, I'm not going to agree to that. I'm not going to agree that I think there should be less football. I'm certainly fine with saying right now we don't need to there, there to be an eighth team. And and the injury thing, no matter how many teams are in the playoffs, is going to be an issue no matter what for the NFL. No matter how many teams are in the playoffs, you're going to deal with teams that get there and lose players late in the season you're going to deal with teams that probably would have been there but didn't because they had players get hurt. I mean, that issue is always going to be the biggest prevailing problem for the NFL, and that's sort of the it's the part we don't talk about, which is at this point of the year, it really is about do you have your players available to you or not? Because if you don't, you know, come on. You're not winning a Super Bowl. There's no question about that. Let's talk some college hoops. This man joins us every Tuesday. You, of course, follow him on Twitter at Discourse, D1S Course. You read his stuff in the Washington Post. He is our friend, Mr. Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, Patrick? How are you, sir? I am well, and I'm not going to win a Super Bowl either. Probably so. not. Going to come up just short. You just couldn't. You couldn't. If only you could have avoided that Achilles tear uh, during yeah, the course that, of the year. And, I, I, and, I, and of course, you know, to, to bring up other things that have been in the news in the last few weeks, I just don't love football. Years, <laughs> that's so. a good point. You just don't love it enough. God, that's so dumb. All right. Anyway, <laughs> hey, hey uh, it looks like you and I both made a mistake on Saturday, and we probably should have been at Hill Fieldhouse. Um, yeah, that that um, I, I certainly was sitting there thinking, well, you don't see that every day but in fairness you don't and we'll get to that in a minute but you don't see maryland lead by double digits at halftime and then lose by double digits yeah happen every day either you not know every the last day time that happened when the 2001 final four oh god oh you gotta bring that up jeez that of course being the fame they had a 22 point lead uh, if I remember correctly, on Duke at one point in that game, correct? It was twenty-one or twenty-two. 20, they were yeah. up eleven. It was down to eleven at halftime, and then Duke erased the rest of it and won by eleven. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly, uh, it, uh, that was not a pleasant memory for most Maryland fans that particular day. Um, I, I guess let me let me start with uh, with what happened. For the we were talking about it at the beginning of the show. Uh, John reminded me. Yes, the video certainly makes it. So there's some discrepancy as to whether Ninda Tark actually got the shot off or not. But whatever, uh, who cares? It was an incredible moment. It was an electric atmosphere. And maybe a reminder that the MIAC is just as kind of wide open as it always is, correct? Uh, I don't know if it's entirely wide open. I think Norfolk State's pretty darn Okay, all right. They're off to a 3-0 start. They won the league last year. But that said, you know, there's a reason that you and I embrace the strangeness that is a MIAC Monday. Like, strange things tend to happen in, in that league, in those games in those conference games where you just you just don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, a cop and walk off on a fifty foot shot against its biggest rival on the road, that's just par for the course for yep. what you'll see. And in an entertaining game too. I mean, an eighty four possession game for those two teams, you'll see that every day, uh, for from anybody. Uh, and so, you know, I, I certainly am looking forward to the return game uh, at Coppin on March 3rd. Already have that one booked. Thank you very much. Well, I might uh, um, might try to make sure I can come join you for that one then. That, that's <laughs> and, a, that is, uh, and that's, 
you know, last game of the regular season, too. But for right now, Coppin got through non-conference play at 1-14. They played those 15 games in a span of barely more than a month. I'm just kind of doing the math right now. But 15 games in 36 days. And so they come off their pause. They win at South Carolina State. They've won at Morgan State. And now they go down to Norfolk on Saturday. Uh, and after that game's done, they get eight of their last 13 or eight of their last uh, 11 at home. Uh, I'm sorry. My, my math is seven of the last 11. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm losing track of the number of games that are being played in that league because you had uh, teams leave at the end of last season. So it's seven home games in their last 11. Uh, and suddenly Coppin very much looks like it, uh, it, it might be as as good a option alternate to Norfolk State as, as anybody else. So that one on Saturday uh, down at Norfolk, uh, really one of the early big games of the season in the MEAC. The teams that we've been talking about uh, for the most part these last couple of weeks, Patrick, kind of continue to roll along. I know Navy did take a loss, but they bounced back with a really nice win over BU. Loyola just keeps figuring out ways to win, and, and Towson looked really good yesterday. They'll start with Navy since you bring them up first. You're right. They, they didn't play great against Colgate. They, they got beat up on the in, interior, and they bounced back to complete the season sweep of Boston University. So a big week coming up for the Mids. They get Lehigh at home on Wednesday, Army at home on Saturday. Those two teams are both 4-2 and two in the Patriot League and tied for third. So that's an opportunity for some separation between at least uh, third and fourth place in the conference. You know, when you're looking at that Navy Loyola thing, they don't actually play for the first time until February 5th, and then they play twice in the, in the span of less than three weeks. You mentioned Loyola as well, a team that, after that overtime loss coming off its paws up at Army, has figured out ways to win. It hasn't always been pretty. Yep. Uh, you know, even the, even the last two games, you know, Lafayette, they won by 14, but that required a 12-0 run late to, to bust it back open. And then Sunday... Uh, on the su- sort of surprise nationally televised game, it got moved into a TV slot in the evening. Uh, you know, they were down and didn't play particularly well in the first half. They played a fantastic second half. I think it was 23 points in the first half and 46 in the second half. Whew. And, you know, at that level, we talk about all the time, do you have veteran guards? And for Loyola, Cam Spencer and Jalen Andrews, uh, a backcourt that, that basically – is the one carrying, you know, they're the ones driving the bus. And Kenneth Jones is a factor in that, too. So you look at them, they've got the, that veteran guard play, and maybe it's possible at this point, as, as you look at them, they're 5-1, and one, a third of the way through league play. Maybe they're able uh, to, to finish the job this year after making that surprise run to the Patriot League tournament last year. Uh, and then, and by the way, worth mentioning, they're at home twice this week, too. They've got BU on Wednesday and then American for the first time this season. Uh, on Saturday. And then Towson's 13-5. They've won four in a row. And they just keep finding interesting ways to win. By the way, they've won their last three games without Terry Nolan Jr. Yeah. And yeah. They, they beat Hofstra and then swept Elon and William and Mary on the road. And now five of the next six are home for the Tigers starting Thursday uh, against College of Charleston. Uh, and then league leader William and UNC Wilmington comes in on Saturday. Uh, so this Towson team continues to share the ball really well. Last night was fabulous. They put up 91 points on William and Mary. And, you know, there, there's a lot to like there about that deep team that has a lot of answers. You know, Jason Gibson's been playing well. Like Cam Holden might be, you know, if you want to sit there and make a list of guys that could win CAA Player of the Year, he's got to be near the top of the list at this point. So I, I, I really, really like them and looking forward to seeing them a couple times here in the next couple weeks before they finish. They finish with, with five of their last seven on the road. So kind of a tough finish here 
Uh, but for now, they have an opportunity with five of the next six at home between now and the end of the month uh, to really make some hay and, and, and perhaps even take the lead in the conference. He is Patrick Stevens. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio, as he is every Tuesday. Uh, Patrick, is there anything that's actually worth discussing in relation to Maryland? I know they play again tonight at Michigan, and I, 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 I hate to be utterly dismissive of it, but we talked about this a week ago. There's just not really a lot there to discuss. They, they certainly played a nice first half against Rutgers on Saturday. They did play, they did play a nice first half, and, and credit to them, they applied some pressure then. Rutgers handled it better in the second half, and Rutgers started making some shots in the second half, too, uh, at least a little bit more anyway. Uh, the other thing that, they, that Rutgers quit doing was fouling Maryland. Uh, when you look at what Maryland was able to do foul line-wise, they got to the foul line 15 times in the first half, four times in the second half. I mean, some of that comes down to your opponent figuring things out. I, I will say the one interesting thing that I'll take away from that game, uh, Julian Reese drawing his first career start. He had six offensive rebounds, and we saw a lot of what we've come to kind of expect from him in his freshman year, which is a lot of activity. He's very energetic. There is there are not errors of omission that are being committed there. He is you know prone to fouling, uh, but but um, uh, and and obviously he's got to put some strength on, which is you know a common issue for freshmen at the college level, and he'll do that. Uh, but I think it's smart, frankly, for them whether it was intended this way or not uh, to, to give him a, a longer look. I mean, he played almost twice as much time as Caduce Wahab did on Saturday and was very effective, nine points and seven rebounds. There are probably a couple shots that he'd like to have back, uh, but I think that's an encouraging sign for them amidst uh, what was an otherwise pretty dreary Saturday uh, that, that Reese is a guy that, that I think that they could continue to build around and, and perhaps whether it's, you know, in all likelihood it's going to be another coach, another staff coming in. Uh, you know, I think that's a guy that you want to be able to keep around for the long term and, and the more that he develops, uh, and the more that you keep him happy, maybe the more likely he is to stay. Um, can you explain to me why I, why someone would choose to transfer to the University of Maryland right now? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look, you know I'm not a recruiting guy. Yeah. So when, I, when I saw that, the guy that has already spent a year at Texas A&M and has committed and then left TCU before practice even started, I mean, I mean frankly, and, and I don't know really anything about the guy, but... I would, I would expect – I have a hard time believing that, that that guy is likely to be around yeah. uh, come, come September. Yeah, yeah. Um, just under the circumstances, it has nothing to do with him and everything right, to do right. with the new staff. I mean, I, I don't I – don't, I understand why if you are a Maryland assistant coach or if you're Danny Manning right now, why you're continuing to recruit. You're trying to use it to sell the idea that you can be the basketball coach. You, yeah, I mean, right. and, and, and you don't want to be completely derelict either. Uh, you're getting you're getting compensated, to, and that's part of your job. But for right now, like I don't I don't see why anybody who is a, who who is um, a player or a, you know even a high school player at this point is jumping on on that bandwagon right now. I think I think anybody would be saying, well, let's see who gets hired as, right. as, as the head coach, <laughs> and then we'll decide and go yeah. from there and have the conversation then. So you know that uh, I I don't know if I put a whole lot of weight in in, in that commitment. Yeah, I mean, the Cassius McNeely is the young man we're talking about. And yes, I, I certainly don't. It was just, it was very, it was very weird. Is all it yeah, was. I, it was. I certainly was scratching my head over yeah, that too. No so. doubt. 
Uh, Patrick, on the national front, um, you know, who really is the best team in the country right now? Baylor loses a couple of games. There, there seems to be sort of a debate about whether it's Gonzaga or Auburn. Gonzaga slightly ahead in the poll this week. But um, have we reached that point in the season where we just sort of genuinely don't know who the best team is at this point? Yeah, and I, and I don't think it really matters that yeah. much at this stage. That, that's, why you, that's why you have a 68-team tournament. I mean, not that that determines the best team, per se. Uh, you know, we're talk, we, have, we have conversations about who the best team in the country is in a sport that, because of a single elimination format, is more likely to not produce a champion that is the best team. I mean, how many times have we said that the best team didn't win, win in a season? So you know, I think that, you know, Baylor, Gonzaga, I, I still like Purdue a lot at least as, a, as an offensive team. Defensively, they, they do kind of give you a pause. Auburn's in that mix, too. And there's always a chance that, we're, that there's somebody else that either hasn't gotten a ton of games in, hasn't gotten enough continuity to kind of figure things out, you know, like a UCLA, uh, or a team uh, that maybe didn't do a whole lot early on, but has started to really figure things out. And, and the team that comes to mind on that front is Kentucky with what they did. Okay, media. yeah. Yeah, you know, they 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 got some dudes too, and they got some older dudes too. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of options, and we're still just barely past the halfway point of the regular season. So if people want to have that conversation, they can. I, I just that's not that's not one I'm going to get myself too excited. I about. certainly understand that. Uh, I think the conversation maybe was worth having. Do you, do you think we're going to see more like what we saw yesterday with Notre Dame and and Howard? Do you think that could become maybe like a tradition? for a network to try to pull a game off like that over the years on MLK Day? Well, I will say this, and it's not necessarily tied to MLK Day, but the, the Pac-12 has actually reached an agreement with the SWAC okay. for over the next four years where teams will play home-and-homes with each other. Okay, all right. So you have six home-and-homes that begin next year. I believe three of them are in the SWAC arenas and three of them in Pac-12 arenas, and then they switch over the next year, and then the other teams in that league, both leagues have 12 teams, so everybody in the conference will be involved in that over a four-year span. So that's good. Now, Howard has tried to have a high-profile opponent from their perspective. Understand, that's a really good academic institution. And they view, especially a guy like Kenny Blakey, who's got the DeMatha thing, uh, went to Duke, has worked at Harvard and Columbia, really values you know, having those peer institutions on his schedule. So you go back and look that they've played Harvard and Yale on, on MLK Day as well. So it would not surprise me, A, if you saw maybe a couple other schools. Think of it kind of like the Veteran Classic, where you had maybe an okay. early burst of great teams, yeah, uh, and then it became a little bit harder yeah. to, to, to fill out the field with, with those you know Final Four type teams. But there's still good programs coming in. So it wouldn't shock me if we saw a few more of those types of teams that were willing to come in and play a game like that. Uh, I mean, I think about Michigan coming to D.C. to play Prairie View on a neutral floor. If they're willing to do that, it might not be that much of a stretch for them to come and play Howard on an MLK day. That's that's a pulled-out-of-whole-cloth type of example. Like, they definitely did do the Prairie View game, but I I don't know whether they'd be interested or not. But clearly, Howard has an interest in being able to play an MLK game against a high-profile brand-name opponent from the academic side. And so I think with Fox uh, having some interest in that, obviously the game itself was entertaining yesterday, so that helped too. It it helps immensely that that game was a three-point game and not a 25-point game. 
and 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 unique, of course, given Mike Bray's connection to the area, obviously, yeah, right? You know, and Mike Bray has known has known Kenny Blakeney yep. for you know since the eighties, basically. Yep. You know, I talked to Mike Bray about this uh, before, right after Blakeney was hired, and he basically rattled off Blakeney's home address when he was growing up. Oh, wow! He said it was something Missouri Avenue. Like I can't remember the number, but he most definitely remembered the number after all these years, three decades wow. or whatnot. Wow. So that you know, and Bray's a guy that has always shown a willingness to go play games on the road against teams coached by his former assistants. Like he did the same thing at Delaware when they hired Martin Engelsby. So, you know, I think that that was a variable in there for sure. Now can they find somebody else? I suspect that they probably can. I don't know if the list is super long. Uh, I don't know if you're going to see like a team on the West Coast come all the way sure. to do that, sure. especially since you have that that arrangement with the SWAC in the Pac-12. But I, I can totally see this thing continuing to grow uh, here, especially you've got, if you have the TV component and you have the competitive component, it, it works out pretty well, I think. And, and I think that with those two things kind of squared away at this stage, Howard's in a position uh, to continue to grow this thing and perhaps bring in more opponents here in the years to come. All right, it's time for our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player played for? Uh, again, we're getting the nitty-gritty, although I think this is a pretty representative one uh, for our five-team guy. It's actually uh, a seven-team guy. Oh, boy. Who was a two-time All-Star, two times finished in the top ten of Cy Young voting, once finished in the top ten of MVP voting, had a 20-win game or twenty win season and led the league with a number that I don't think we're going to see again, 15 complete games in 1988. Seven teams for Danny Jackson. Danny Jackson. All right. Well, he was definitely a Cincinnati Red. Of course he was. That was where he had that monster season. And he was definitely a Kansas City Royal. Most certainly before Cincinnati is where he began his career. So you've knocked out eight seasons, but there are actually still three multi-year stops left on the list. Well, if one of them's Philadelphia. Yes, of course. So we've basically closed out his entire career through 1994 or so. I there think. actually was a stop between – there were two stops between Cincinnati and Philadelphia. Really? Yes. Huh. I don't think – I certainly did not remember those. He spent 1991 and 92 in one place and then was dealt in 92 somewhere else. Dealt in 92 to somewhere else. Well, was he – let's see here. Where would Danny Jackson have been in those years? Um, am I remembering him as a brave at some point? Not a brave, no. Not a brave, okay. Well, so much for that idea. Um, let's see, where else would he have been? He was a Cub, wasn't he? He was most certainly a Cub. That was where he went after Cincinnati. He spent uh, 91 and then part of 92 with the Cubs. Okay, so 92, there's a half-decent chance that that second stop there was a playoff team or close to a playoff team in that particular year. And then there's a stop at the end where, or a couple stops at the end. Yeah, the, he, he spent 95 and 96, and into 97, he actually spent part of three seasons somewhere, and then the tail end in 97, he ended up, it, 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 was, it was not good. At that <laughs> <point>. <laughs> well, was he a pirate? Yes, that was where he went in 92. That was the playoff team you were looking for. Okay. That was what you're looking for. And by the way, you've stolen money now. Five, you've gotten five, and you still have another guest to go. This is a wild success on Danny Jackson. It, it, it most certainly is. Um, let, 
the, the tail end for Danny Jackson. Yeah, and it's and it's bad. He spent these three seasons in one place. He was four and fifteen with a five point seven eight ERA. Oof. In twenty seven starts. In twenty seven starts. Wow. Um. I'm feeling like I, I, that's not right. Um. I'll throw one out there, even though I'm not a hundred percent sure this is right. But but the Marlins was he there? At no, the end? it wasn't the Marlins. No, but by five of seven on Danny Jackson is pretty damn good, sir. Um, St. Louis for St. Louis for okay. ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. Then he made a a cameo in San Diego uh, okay. to end the ninety seven season. So pretty damn good. That being said, I'll give you one more and a man, uh, an incredibly accomplished player. Uh, maybe an argument. Probably not Hall of Fame, but like there's probably more of an argument than we want to talk about. Three-time All-Star, two-time MVP, two times led the league in home runs, and uh, a six-time Silver Slugger Award winner. They call him Juan Gon. Juan Gonzalez, four teams. He was a Texas Ranger. Obviously for the bulk. He was a Cleveland Indian. Spent two seasons there, and now... And now this. Now it gets dicey. Yeah. He was a Detroit Tiger fan. He most certainly was. He made a 33-game stop somewhere in 2004. A 33-game stop. Was he, and and I am pulling this, I vaguely recall him as a Royal. Oh, my God. How do you remember Juan Gonzalez as a Kansas City Royal? I cannot believe that. Well, damn. Well, done, he wasn't going to go play in the National League. Yeah, at that, that point, point. no doubt about it. it. Yeah, no, ch- no chance he could have patrolled the outfield anywhere at that point. Man, well done. All right, Patrick Stevens, what's on the docket for you this week? I'll be home tonight, but uh haven't settled on tomorrow's uh, uh, tomorrow's visit just yet. We'll, so, uh, we'll sort that out by the end of the day. Going to Towson to see them play Charleston. On uh, on uh, Thursday, Maryland and Illinois for whatever reason on Friday. Yuck. Army Navy, uh, yeah, on Saturday, yeah, looking and like a looking like a good choice right now. And Mount St. Mary's in Central Connecticut on Sunday. And I will make my way to Coppin and see the Eagles for the first time on Monday. Uh, they have Howard in town. Might be so a time for busy week. Let's let's up. talk about that. That might be one I can join you for on Monday night. Um, and, and by the way, for those that don't know, they do a really cool thing for the Army Navy. They're in Annapolis on Saturday. They'll play the women's game at eleven and the men's game at one thirty. Both of which will be on national TV. So, uh, kind of a cool thing that they do for that. At Discourse D One S Course on Twitter. Uh, that's where you follow in the Washington Post. Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Sounds great. Take care, Glenn. Patrick Stevens joining us as he does every week for our college basketball conversation. Today's show also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The Comfort Classics are available on their seasonal menu, including the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, as well as the smoky thigh wings with the Alabama barbecue sauce, which are sublime. Nick Kelly knows. Nick Kelly and I have talked a lot about the smoky thigh wings. They're so freaking good, man. I don't need regular wings back as long as I have the smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to get your order in now and have it for lunch or have it later tonight for dinner. GloryDaysGrill.com. We come back in. We're going to chat about Lamar Jackson, his contract situation, his future. Try to really get to the bottom of it. Andrew Brandt is a man who knows a thing or two. He um, he dealt with some pretty high-profile quarterbacks in Green Bay. He had to do some deals with the likes of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Now he's with SI. We'll talk to Andrew Brandt next. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Back in here on GCR, a Tuesday edition of the program. We are brought to you today by our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Don't be like me. Don't miss when you play your Underdog Fantasy Football bet. I missed on mine this weekend, but that's all right. I'll make another one next weekend. And KZ's putting up his picks seemingly every day, trying to help you out and winning some money related to Underdog Fantasy Football. And they've got money that they just want to give you, frankly, because they are willing to do things like put out a one-yard prop for Stephon Diggs. If I could have just, you know, not been an idiot in what I paired it with, I would have gotten basically free money. That's what you can do. They do it every week. You just got to be checking at underdogfantasy.com or on the app. On top of that, they're giving you free money to play with. So you make your first deposit, you use the code PRESSBOX, and they'll match it up to $100 with free money for you to play with. 
Underdogfantasy.com. Download the Underdog app. Use that code PRESSBOX when you sign up. We know it's frustrating that we can't bet on our phone. We can't bet on the computer in the state of Maryland. That's, that's annoying. I get it. I completely understand. But playing underdog fantasy football has a lot of similarities to being able to bet, and you can do it on your phone or on your computer. Play those player props. Put together some parlays. Have fun playing underdog fantasy football. And it's not just like it doesn't end because football season's ending. They got basketball. They got hockey. If we ever get around to playing baseball, which would be a really nice thing, it'd be swell if we do, that will be an option as well with Underdog Fantasy Football. Go sign up right now. All right, we had to do this a little bit earlier on today because of his uh, podcasting schedule. But I wrote a column yesterday about Lamar Jackson, and I wanted to run some of the thoughts by someone who knows a thing or two about doing uh, quarterback deals Andrew Brandt is that guy from SI, and he joined us right here on GCR. Well, joined now here on GCR by a longtime NFL executive. Now, of course, you hear his podcast and you read his stuff at SI. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Mr. Andrew Brandt, who's with us now. Andrew, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's been a while. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. You got it, Glenn. Good to be with you. Andrew, we are, I know you're probably getting hit up all over the place about the Packers. We are, of course, in the throes here in Baltimore of um, Lamar Jackson conversation. And I know you wrote about Lamar last year and him not having an agent and what that does for conversations like this. Mm -hmm. But I just want to dive a little bit further into it, where the Ravens are needing to get a deal done, presumably wanting to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson and and why you think it may or may not get done during the course of this offseason. What does your gut tell you about Lamar Jackson's status with the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I think we got to go back to this past offseason. He came off a great year, um, and there were three quarterbacks in that class of 2018 that we, including me, expected to get big extensions. Lamar Jackson... Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. And as we all know, only one of the three got the extension. And we can save Baker Mayfield for another day. But it was curious that the Ravens did not extend Jackson. I just didn't understand exactly where the lack of extension was coming from. Meaning, is it coming from the Ravens who are not ready to commit? who didn't even offer a deal or offered a deal that was not pleasing to the Jackson side? Or is it coming from the Jackson side where they think it's better to wait and continue to see the market go up and up and up and jump into negotiations now? Now we come to a, uh, a junction where there hasn't been excellent performance due to injury as much as anything, and what do they do? I mean, I guess to spin to the to the end of the chapter, I guess my prediction is they don't do anything. Hmm. They still have a year left. It's an option year. And that's the advantage of first-round quarterbacks, that you can exercise the option after year three, you can watch and learn in year four, and you don't have to sink the huge guaranteed money in in year five. Let me propose something, as we talked about this on our show yesterday, Andrew. Yep. If, if that's just say what's what the Ravens wanted to do is sort of say, let's, why don't you go out and prove it in year five? You know, and to your point, they still, of course, have the leverage because of the franchise tag afterwards. 
if you were in Lamar Jackson's camp, and this is very difficult for us because, you know, as, as you know, reporters like to have agents to be sources of information here. Um, why wouldn't you say, nah, we'd rather not. Why don't you go ahead and trade us when you look at the, the quarterback market and just how many teams around the NFL are almost in desperate straits when it comes to the quarterback position right now? Well, a couple things. Uh, first of all, it's going to be an active year for veteran quarterbacks. You know, it's a whole other discussion with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe others. So you have that. It's not going to be people beating down the doors for one veteran quarterback, maybe Aaron, but no one else. And it's a tough year to do that. The other part of this is, of course, having been an agent, you know, you, you can only, you only have that card once in your career, really, right? The card of, hey, you're not going to pay me, trade me. And that's that's a hard thing to walk back from, and I don't think that's going to happen. You know, people talk about franchise tag. You know, players they all play, they all play under the tag, and they they get through it. I just I guess I just think, you know, this idea that players are unhappy without contracts while making tens of millions of dollars is not not something teams take too seriously, to be truthful. He is Andrew Brandt. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Andrew, understand exactly what you're saying. It, it just it feels like a weird conversation, right? Because you, know, you point out the comparison to Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. We're, we're talking about Lamar Jackson here. We're talking about a unanimous MVP of the league. We're talking about someone who pretty much single-handedly saved John Harbaugh's job a few years ago um, and, and, you know, at a point where it, it very much looked like John Harbaugh was going to be out in Baltimore. We're talking about a player who... Why, yes, you know, had a four-week stretch there against the Blitz that struggled um, and then got hurt. In, in the le- weeks leading up to that, he was a leading MVP candidate this season uh, before that happened. Like, it, it feels to me like it's almost, I, the word I keep coming back to is disrespectful to say, hey, we want you to prove it, we want you to go back out there and do it for another year. Like, what, this is Lamar Jackson. This is one of the most unique athletes in the history of football. What more really can he prove that he doesn't already deserve to be taken care of and, and given this type of deal? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I think, I guess people out there have mixed opinions of Jackson and that may be within the front office of the Ravens. I, I just think a couple things. One, in negotiations, Teams get in trouble when they pay for past performance rather than future. So if you're judging how you're going to pay Lamar Jackson, you look forward, not backwards. And I understand that's harsh because you say, hey, he's been MVP, but is he going to MVP going forward? Is he going to have that kind of production? That's what they're weighing. And the other thing is you just never know with contracts and performance and what you're going to be able to do contract-wise. I think the problem for Mayfield and Jackson is this. There are no medium contracts anymore for quarterbacks. Right. Unless it's like an Andy Dalton or a Nick Foles. So they're either on rookie deals or they're making $30 million a year. And I've talked to team executives about this, not at the Ravens, but it's like, what do we do? You know, because no 
ascending quarterback is going to take fifteen twenty million a year. Correct. They're just not right, and I understand it. So that's the, that's the dilemma. Andrew, what would you do, right? If you were the Baltimore Ravens, if if you were in the shoes of Eric DaCosta right now, would would you have trepidation about signing Lamar Jackson for that type of money? Well, the devil's in the details. I mean. <laughs> People know from my Twitter and my articles, my podcasts, my writings that a lot of these deals are not cracked up what they're cracked up right. to be. And I don't know. I guess if you can get a deal you're comfortable with that you can get out, which is how teams look at these deals. Can I get out after two years of guaranteed money, something like that? Then you look at it. But you try to have professional and, and open and honest communication while not upsetting the player if you're going to continue to evaluate and pay him on the option year. I mean, that's probably the most prudent thing to do is not pay him. But I understand what you talk about, what fans talk about with the emotional element to this as well. And I get it. Lamar's probably saying, well, you don't feel the way the Buffalo Bills feel about Josh Allen right. towards me? Right. That's a question. Yeah. Uh, well, can I go a step further? Can I say, is an organization better if you're going to pay Lamar Jackson at some point, right? And like, if if you are going to pay him a year from now, is is there an argument to it being better off that you pay him now just to get a more clear picture of what the next few years are going to look like cap-wise and to be able to make decisions based on what you know those numbers are now going to be? Well, you make that argument like a year ago. Like, fair. I mean, that's I fair. Would, sure. I would have made that argument a year ago, but they didn't. And quarterback contracts tend to only go up if, if you're at that level. Now, Mayfield, we all thought, okay, they're not doing a deal. The price is going to go way up. And now people are thinking, wow, the Browns got away with not doing a deal. That was good for them. Uh, I don't think people feel that way about the Ravens and Jackson, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to have a young ascending quarterback under contract. We don't know what's going into their thinking, why it's not happening. It's interesting, Andrew. Like I, 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 I guess the, the comparison to Baker Mayfield is tricky for me, right? Because like, I, I think Baker Mayfield, we're all coming around to the idea now that he's, he's simply not a franchise quarterback, right? Like, or, or, or this level, mm-hmm. this upper level of quarterbacks. Whereas I, I just don't, I don't know any reason to think that wouldn't be, again, I get it. It was a tough four weeks and there was an injury, but at the midway point of this season, Lamar Jackson looked like an MVP of the league, right? Like, I, I, I guess I'm struggling with the comparison between Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield specifically. Yeah, I, I can see that. And probably the Ravens are struggling with the comparison between, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, and maybe that's what's holding this up. The other part of this, I keep saying devil into details, and as I've negotiated on both sides. There's two types of contracts out there now for young young quarterbacks, and if I were a player, I'd want the Dak Prescott type, which okay. is four years, $40 million. and the best thing about that is the four years. So he's going to get another bite of the apple at age 29-30, whereas Mahomes and Allen are 8- or 10- or 12-year deals, which basically take them off the free agent market forever, and uh, the teams are locked in. So 
I don't know if the Ravens are trying to push those kind of long-term deals, and hmm. Jackson doesn't want that. Hmm. If I were representing Jackson, I would not want that Allen Mahomes length. That only serves the team. I would want the, the Prescott length, and maybe that's a sticking point. Just another minute or two here with Andrew Brandt on yep. uh, GCR. Andrew, it, is, is, is there an unspoken part of this that's about the style of play from Lamar Jackson that, like, the Ravens pushed, they, they redid their entire offense to want Lamar Jackson to run more. But how much does that impact these conversations it, in this sort of old way of thinking that um, if you're a mobile quarterback, you're more likely to get hurt, despite the fact that we've kind of got the statistics at this point that says that's not really true? Yeah, I mean, I think from a team point of view, that's not an issue now, but it could be an issue with longevity. Okay. So there you, there you would talk about what's the, what's the out, you know, where's the point where the team could get out without, without a massive cap hit, without future guarantees, how do you structure the deal, all those kind of things. That's, that's what goes into that thinking. And then last one for you, what do you say to someone who says, I, I would never pay this type of money to any player. Like, this is just a bad way to go about building a roster. I, I don't care who you are. Um, you're going to hamstring your ability to to compete and to put more good players on the field whenever you give this high a percentage of your salary cap to any player. Yeah, I mean, listen, I managed a cap for 10 years, always had the highest paid player in the league, or one of them with Brett Favre, and then we did Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's a cop-out. <laughs> I can say that. Yeah. Yeah, you have a $200 million cap. If you allocate $30 million to your quarterback, you have $170 million the rest of your team. You have half your team on rookie contracts. I just think it's a cop-out. I don't think, you know, Tom Brady's making the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes might make the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers might make the Super Bowl. Drew Brees should have made the Super Bowl a couple more times. I just, I don't get that. Uh, I think it's a cop-out. Now, if you have... If you don't have the player, that's a different story. Right, right. But, yeah, I, it's a cop-out. The, the cap thing is, I think, is put out there in the media by teams looking for excuses more than anything else. To your point, you can't pay that money and get Jared Goff at the end of the day, right? Exactly. You have, you have a huge problem. And, look, you know, somebody will compare it to the Joe Flacco situation in Baltimore. with the it's They give a pass to the Ravens in that process, whose drafting was horrendous after they paid Joe Flacco money. Like, it... You, you have to hit on your draft picks at that point because you can't afford to go out and sign big-name players to make up for it, which is part of the problem. Andrew Brandt, what can I plug exactly. for you uh, podcast-wise? What's coming up in your world? What plugs can I get in for you? Yeah, of course, the podcast, The Business of Sports. I do my column at Sports Illustrated, Business of Football every week. I've started this newsletter now, which is doing really well for people to sign up. They go to andrew-brandt.com. And on there, you can actually sign up for premium content where I do lectures and daily wow. uh, daily updates for all the people. So go to andrew-brandt.com, newsletter, and then the Sports Business League there as well. At Andrew Brandt on Twitter is how you follow him. Andrew, truly appreciate you squeezing in a few minutes with us this morning. Thank you so much for taking the time. You got it, Glenn. That's Andrew Brandt uh, joining us here on GCR.
Hey, quickly, if you missed it, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley caught up last night with the great Jim Palmer, and that conversation is available right now in the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or by going to pressboxonline.com slash video. And Stan and uh, Gary Stein are going to have a really special conversation this week. I don't know if you all are familiar with the story of Yeshiva Basketball. It is a power the uh, at the D3 level, but as a as a, a Jewish program, a Jewish basketball program, it's a really incredible story. They were the number one team in the country. They did, however, just drop a game to Illinois Wesleyan, but really remarkable what it is that they've been doing. And uh, Stan and Gary are going to catch up with their head coach, Elliot Steinmetz, this week as well. So those shows, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. So let's, let's talk a little bit about... Um, what it is that Andrew Brandt had to say, because there's a lot in there, right? And and some of it, it began, it was sort of that table was set with a seeming trepidation about whether or not the Ravens are, are going to do a deal this offseason with Lamar Jackson, essentially saying, well, look, if they didn't do it last year, why would they do it now? It's not a scenario where Lamar Jackson was so effing brilliant this season that the cost is just getting worse and worse, and you feel like you have to, what changed during the course of this year that if you couldn't get a deal done last year, now you you have to get a deal done? And it's not an unreasonable question. Um, although I would say that the the you know there, I guess there would be two mitigating factors. One being, well, hey, for the beginning of the season, the only reason you were good at all was because of Lamar Jackson, and at the end of the year, you saw just how bad you were without Lamar Jackson. So. While, yes, the totality of the year might draw be drawn up as you know some bit of a negative in relation to Lamar Jackson, on the whole, on the whole, I still think this season was more evidence of why you need more Lamar Jackson far more than it was evidence of maybe there's some sort of question about Lamar Jackson. Let's combine that with his dismissive his dismissiveness to my premise, which is, Look, if I'm Lamar Jackson and you come to me and you say, we think you need to go out and prove it next year, I'm going to give you the middle finger. I'm going to say, trade me, because I'm Lamar Jackson. And Andrew Brandt was fairly dismissive of that. Hey, look, teams don't – hell, the Green Bay Packers didn't do that with Aaron Rodgers last year, right? Like, to some extent, there is truth to the idea of, well, we still hold the leverage. We know you're not going to skip games – so if you want to be mad, be mad. You know, If you want to say mean things about us, say mean things about us. But at the end of the day, we're going to do what's best for business for us. And what's best of bi- for business for us is to get another year, figure out where we are, think a little bit more about what we want the deal to look like based on what you think the terms should be. So we just don't care if you're pissed off. If you're pissed off, be pissed off. We didn't have you in training camp for the most part last year. You had COVID. Training camp's not that big of a deal to us. You don't want to come to training camp? Fine. We'll live. Is that a good thing for the Baltimore Ravens to do? Probably not. But I could understand if they said, we're not going to live in fear of that. Just go ahead and and say you're mad and let it be awkward. It was so awkward in Green Bay that they're getting set to host a divisional round game. That's just that's how awkward it was. Now, that, of course, being it's Aaron Rodgers and nearly 40 years old versus Lamar Jackson. I'm still not... um, I'd still be surprised that the Ravens didn't get something done with Lamar Jackson, personally. 
I just don't see the benefit. I, I don't see what the benefit is at all to anybody, right? Like, I, I don't know how much more Lamar Jackson can prove his value. Um, on the flip side, I don't think there's any world in which that price is getting less. Like, somebody would, you know, to his point about Baker Mayfield, well, you know, a, a, now they kind of look brilliant for not doing a long-term deal. Yeah, because now it looks like you don't want to deal at all. Baker Mayfield was a question mark going into last season. Lamar Jackson wasn't. The comparison between Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson falls flat. It was never a consensus that Baker Mayfield was a high-level quarterback in this league. No one. There were moments where he looked really good. And there's certainly the fear in Cleveland of, well, if we don't have Baker Mayfield, what do we have? Because we've never had even a good quarterback. But Baker Mayfield was never a top two or three quarterback in the National Football League at any point. Ever. There has never been a conversation about that. So the idea of, you know, that sort of being a blueprint, right, that you could end up doing a deal and then feeling feeling really silly. If the Browns had done a deal with Baker Mayfield last offseason, wouldn't they feel silly now? That's true. That's true. Because it's Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield ain't Lamar Jackson. It doesn't seem that it should be so hard to figure that out. It, it still feels like there is a reluctance among some to accept anything that Lamar Jackson has done because of the style in which he plays, because of whatever reason, because of how you scouted him to begin with, because he wasn't the number one overall pick, whatever that reason might be. And because of that, any small sliver of evidence that suggests anything other than he's, you know, the, the one of the best quarterbacks in all of football, you want to jump on that and say, well, but, 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 but. I promise you, the majority of high-level quarterbacks have had bad games. I know it doesn't feel like Tom Brady has ever had a bad game, but even he has had bad games. Even Aaron Rodgers has had bad games. Peyton Manning threw six interceptions in a game once. And that's the highest level. I mean, I'm, I'm the next level, the, the Dak Prescotts of the world, the, even those guys have bad games. Justin Herbert has bad games. Josh Allen's had bad games. There are bad games. And yes, it was concerning that it all came at a time where Lamar Jackson was specifically facing the blitz over and the zero coverage thing over and over and over again. But the notion that that rewrites who Lamar Jackson is as a quarterback? Absurd. It's absurd. One of the things that Andrew said uh, during that interview was you'd rather have, uh, the quarterbacks should rather have the four-year, $40 million per deal the Dak Prescott rather than the Allen and Mahomes deal. But didn't didn't you have a guy on I remember being in being in here over the summer when they were yeah. talking about the Mahomes. Well I he think he's talking about like it five years. He, he was talking about it for the for the well, okay. So there's two things. One, he was talking about it from the, the player perspective. Right. From player perspective, why in the world would you do a a ten year deal and give yourself that ability, right? Right. Right. To your point, yes, the way that the Mahomes deal was structured, there's going to be the ability to walk in there after a certain amount of time. I don't remember what exactly what it was and say, here's where quarterback contracts have gone, here's where yours is, we can fix this. And mm-hmm. given what Patrick Mahomes means to the Kansas City Chiefs, they probably will. It's 
when we have these conversations, it feels more like we're talking about these doomsday scenarios where right. like someone just utterly and completely like falls off a cliff somehow. And it's just so absurd. I, I get the problem, and I alluded to it at the end. The problem is you pay Jared Goff major money to be your quarterback, and you realize, oh, crap. He's just not that guy. Right. We paid for something we can't get. We can't recoup that. That becomes a problem. There is no world in which Lamar Jackson is Jared Goff. He's just not. I um You know, I I, I understand apprehensiveness about paying you know, anybody a certain amount of money. We, we kind of talked about that. It's just the Nate. This is how this works. Andrew Brandt said it. We'd love for there to be a mid-range for quarterbacks. It'd be neat if, you know, once a quarterback set the market, that didn't mean everybody, every quarterback had to get that type of money. But it's just not how the system works. The system works very clearly. It doesn't matter if you're the, the best or the eighth best quarterback in the league. Are you a franchise-level NFL quarterback? If you are, then this is the amount of money you have to get paid. To his point that you'd like to structure the deal where you have some flexibility a couple years in, you know, to some extent, that's probably smart with anybody that you sign, right? Like, I don't think that's any more necessary for Lamar Jackson than it would be for Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. Any of those guys could be seriously impacted by one injury and never be the same player again after that. Any of them could. There is no more need for Lamar Jackson to to be in that type of situation than any of those other players. Whatever deal you'd be willing to do with Joe Burrow, you should be willing to do with Lamar Jackson. Or he never should have been your quarterback to begin with. The people that that are apprehensive about spending big money on a quarterback, and I know that a lot of fans around here look back to Joe Flacco and they blame that for the loss of Anquan Bolton, which was not the case. You and I both know that's not the case. It's nonsense. Remember what it was like when you didn't have a quarterback. it, it, It really is as simplistic as that to me, whenever we have these conversations. And again, we're having a more nuanced conversation because the point he's making is not just not having quarterback. It's, well, you can just wait a year. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you could. You you could wait a year. But for what exactly? What exactly are you waiting a year for? Because you want to feel, but it's the guarantee fairy, right? Like, I, my, I want my daughter to be missing. I want it on the box. I want a guarantee on the box. Does one year guarantee anything? Right. And if Lamar Jackson comes out and plays like the MVP yeah. next year, maybe he's asking you for $50 million right. instead I mean, of 35 Yeah, the number is more than year. Patrick Mahomes' number yeah. or something like that. And it might be that that's part of the problem. That's what he's asking for now, yeah. right? Like, that might be the issue. But whatever it is, the quarterback market is essentially set. And if his ask is so much more extraordinary than that, then you sort of – it's what you, maybe you say, look, we're just – we're not doing that. The, he's – you would probably have planted that by now, right? If that really was what the problem was, at some point you would have leaked to the media, look, you want to know what the problem is? Jackson's asking for $75 million. He's asking for something that is astronomically more than any quarterback has ever gotten paid. Mm-hmm. We, You guys need to know that when you have this conversation. There's, If that was the case, I almost guarantee we would know it at this point because a team would know that makes the player look bad, we come out on top, right? I right. almost guarantee we would have found out that type of information. But short of that, 
There's the number. Pay it or don't. There's no, there is just no benefit to me of waiting another year at this point. You wanted to wait last year because you didn't have to and whatever, right? Like it's one more year that you could get a little bit of flexibility in before you started making, getting the numbers bigger. That's fine. But at this point, there is nothing to be gained by waiting any longer other than, and I say that there's nothing to be gained and there could be some risk that you start to have a fracture in your relationship with your franchise player who doesn't understand why it is that Josh Allen gets a deal, but he doesn't. There's not a doubt in my mind that something's getting done this summer. I mean, it's probably wrong for me because I don't know anything, right? I don't right. have – I just – the Ravens aren't talking about it, and we just don't know who to talk to in Lamar Jackson's camp. So I can't say there's no doubt in my mind because I just don't know any inside information. I just don't think it makes any sense. It makes no sense to me to not get this squared away as soon as you possibly can, whatever that ends up looking like. All right, today's show also brought to you by CCBC. I always use these words, uh, tuition-free. If you need to hone your computer skills to boost your career, or maybe you want an IT certification, CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field, and it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Well, well, well. This um, this is surreal. Oh, who's calling me? Somebody's calling me. Uh, 814. Oh, it's potential spam. We're not going to talk. Um, this is pretty surreal, man. Uh, I want to tell you that this was prearranged, and um, this part of him doing a lot of publicity right now, so we actually had to record this before the show today. And I'll also tell you that, unfortunately, Don's, Don's cell phone was not great, so I had to... The audio is it's fine. You're going to hear everything just fine. I just don't... Me being the radio nerd, I don't love the way that it sounds. But what a treat this was for me, and I hope you guys enjoy it. The legendary Don McLean, right here on Glenn Clark Radio. Well, it was 50 years ago this week that this song, American Pie, hit number one on the Billboard chart for the first of four consecutive weeks. And he is celebrating that anniversary this summer by bringing American Pie to us here in Baltimore at the Lyric Opera House on June 11th. What a thrill it is to be chatting with the legendary Don McLean this morning on GCR. Don, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It is such an honor. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And uh, I think I've been to the Lyric Theater before, <coughs> sometime in the last uh, 50 years, and I remember it, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice place. Oh, it's a lovely place. It's going to be a wonderful night. I promise you that my father and I are going to be there to celebrate with you because it's a song that has <laughs> meant a great deal to us. <laughs> Don, if you could take, take me back, you know, 51 years ago, right? You sit down, you write this epic song. What, what did you think then that the song was? Did you think it was a hit? Did you think it was something that would speak to anybody? Or was it maybe just a cathartic song you were happy to write and then get on to writing more hits after that? Um, I knew that the record was not boring and uh, that it kept my attention. <laughs> so whenever you're making a record, you want to listen to what you're doing and um, be honest about it, you know, and sometimes we make boring records. But this one held my attention. 
Well, and, and, and captivated. Sorry. No, that's totally understandable, Don. I know you got a lot of interviews you're doing right now, and, and and kept the attention of the world for some time. On top of that, was there a moment for you where you realized, oh my gosh, this is speaking to people in a way that maybe I didn't know that it was going to speak to people. Well, the first year I made a million dollars, and I was broke the year before that, so the song had an impact on me instantly. <laughs> yeah, it's and not I was able to buy a house, and it's a house that I lived in and owned for the next 30 years. So there's nothing in the world like having your own home, um, and then being able to afford it, not not a mansion, but a nice place, you know, in the country or wherever, and there's a lot of them around. And I achieved that, and that was really the big goal that I had. Well, uh, success. Success, for sure. Don McLean is with us. American Pie 50th Anniversary Tour coming to the Lyric Opera House on June 11th. Um, Don, over the years, of course, one of the things that we've been talking about the last couple of days since we found out we were going to be chatting with you was how much this song has been the soundtrack of so many sing-along scenarios for people. I referenced my father, one of, you know, one of the memories that means the most to me from my childhood is sitting in a car driving with him and belting out the lyrics of the song. And then, you know, as I, as I grew older, um, a drunken nights of revelry and singing along with my friends <laughs> in various stages. Well, when you have been, over the years in a car with someone or in a group and, and organically this song has come on, does it, are you able to enjoy it the same way or is it almost sort of an all shucks embarrassing, I don't want to do this right now, this is my song, I'd rather not be singing along and belting out every lyric for you in a group of people? <laughs> no, I, I, I like all that stuff um, because the song comes at you in a bunch of different ways. The, the initial uh, contact that a lot of young people had was listening to it before they went to bed when they were little children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as something they liked to hear. And then they grew up and they realized that it was about, you know, somebody, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper. And then they started asking songs about America and about uh, music and so on. And then... And then the next level happens, and then, you know, people would just, having grown up with it, uh, would get drunk or have a few beers, you know, and somebody would crank that song up, and everybody would just love singing it. So um, it entertains on a lot of levels. I was surprised by all this. You know, I didn't plan on that, of course. Um <laughs> I never thought an, an eight-and-a-half-minute song could be number one and could be a single in the first place, and I didn't think about singles. I'm not a hit, or, I'm not a hit artist. I've accidentally had a handful of, um, actually more than a handful of top 40 records, but sure. I didn't plan on that. I, and, and yet look what happened. <laughs> yet look how it stood the test of time. Don, was there any one person over the years, um, you know, I, we, we actually do a sports show here in Baltimore, and I ask this question of athletes all the time. I say, is there someone that you found out is a fan that particularly is meaningful to you? You have touched an entire globe. Has there ever been any one person 
who came to you and said, I, I can't believe that I'm talking to you, and you're like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Um, has there ever been one particular titan of industry or American president or, or athlete or somebody like that whose fandom of you and the song has meant a great deal to you over the years? Well, um, I have a lot of people like that um, who have contacted me, and one of the ones that was the most surprising was uh, Quentin Tarantino. Wow. Um, whose favorite song um, was And I Love You So, sure. and his favorite album was my album called Shane Lightning. And uh, he came to see me perform, and we hung out with each other for about half an hour, I guess. And um, so that was marvelous. And I'm, he's now married, and he did his first dance uh, with his new uh, bride uh, to End I Love You So, which wow. is what he said he was going to do. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. That is so <laughs> cool, man. What a, I mean, like, that's a, it's a remarkable start. Now, okay, were you a, a huge Tarantino fan before that, or did you have to, like, suddenly become a huge Tarantino fan? No, <laughs> I, um, I am a big Jackie Brown fan. Okay. And so I knew Quentin quite well. Uh, and a number of his other movies as well. So, you know, I was um, very happy to meet him. Uh, so I put out to our listeners, we're chatting with Don McLean here on GCR, that you were coming on if anybody had any questions. And I got a bunch back, and I got heard some legendary stories about shows you played at UNBC over the years and the, the University of Maryland opening for Steppenwolf years ago. Um, but, but, but one that stood out for me about the song in particular came from John Keller, who wanted to know why the lyrics were written as drinking whiskey and rye, since rye is a whiskey. He says, I know this is random, but it has been sticking with me for years. So, Don McLean, I want to put it to you to put John Keller's thoughts to rest. Why drinking whiskey and rye? Well, you know, because I felt like it. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. That's the answer. It's probably the nature of songwriting, correct? That sometimes you, you do things just because... Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of nonsense uh, in American Pie. And so I, I suppose that would qualify as uh, <laughs> nonsense. That's so wonderful. Don, before I let you go, June 11th at the Lyric in Baltimore. We know that the tour is, is celebrating the 50th anniversary of American Pie, but what else should folks expect that come out to see on June 11th here in Baltimore? Well, I've got a new album called American Boys, and that's the only other time I ever used the word America in a title. Uh, and that's going to come out sometime during the year. There'll be songs from that songs from all my many, many albums and uh, songs that people know and some they don't know. And it will be different because I only do um, the one show once. I don't do do the, a show. I don't do a set, you know, where I say the same things every night and do the same songs. Well, that's great. So it'll be an opportunity to see something special and unique. LyricBaltimore.com to get your tickets. 
Don McLean, my father and I promise are going to be there. It's going to be a special night here in Baltimore. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I got to have my first sing-along with my own children this weekend to American Pie because I told them that you were going to be on my show. Thank you. What an honor it's been, and thank you for this joy that you have given me in my life for not only this, but Vincent and Dreidel and so many songs that I have loved uh, in my 40 years of life. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Well, you come by and say hello to me. I'd love to meet you, and thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, Don. There's a, about a thousand percent chance that I take advantage of that, man. Are you kidding me? Holy crap. Don McLean uh, on GCR uh, was just a real treat. And if nobody else enjoyed that, I don't care because I did. And that's what I get to do every now and then on my show. Uh, again, June 11th at the Lyric. It's going to be um, a, a special night, and I definitely will be there. Uh, I was just t- chatting uh, with my father about it. We're going we're gonna to go to that show. We're going to go. Dad, if you're listening, we're gonna go. Just be aware of that, um, and 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 experience that. And seriously, um, surreal, man. Goosebumps. Like when I when I when the phone rang this morning, I picked it up. I'm like, holy crap! It's Don McLean, man. And like I've had a few of those over these. I don't get that way with athletes at all, just because of the nature of what we do. Um, you know, legendary athletes have been people that I've had to have working relationships with over the years, right? Like I've told the story before that like the first time. The first time um, I realized that, like, it, there's still moments that kind of catch you. Like, the first time I realized Ray Lewis knew my name. Like, the first time he called, he yelled at me by name in the facility one day. At first, I was like, what the hell? Like, I didn't know what I had said that made him mad. But apparently, it was just that I had told him I wanted to talk to him. And he was like, get over it. You know, he literally yelled. He, like, barked out. He's like, Glenn. And I'm like, what the like what the hell? And this is uh, like for first, I was like, there has to be somebody else here named Glenn. Like it wasn't Eunice; he wasn't on the beat at the time. Um, I'm looking around, and I'm like, oh me, oh yeah, right. <laughs> so the guy still caught me off guard. But like, I've had to have working relationships with those people over the years. Um, but I still allow myself every now and then when it's somebody from another field to be like, holy crap! Like we're really doing this. This is really something we're doing right now, and it's so personal and so unique to me. Um, Paul, uh, not you, Paul, Paul, uh, from Ovi Lando brought up, he's like, man, this is, this is like of the level of Edward James almost. And we had Edward James almost on the show, which is, is incredibly random and he's an absolute legend, but nothing that, that was personal for me, right? Like nothing, it, I know what a great actor Edward James almost is. And I know what an icon is and how much he means to a certain group of people, but nothing that was personal. This is personal. Like this is something that. And I say it's not unique to me in any way, right? Like, everybody on the planet feels this way about American Pie. But it does, like, I, I have personal stories um, that mean so much to me. I compared it, um, I was, one of the ones I was more excited about, and I'm not trying to compare the two. I was so excited when um, uh, uh, John McGlinchey came on the show. Um, of course, uh, you know him from Dr. Cox on Scrubs mm. and... Um, you know, what else? He was Red Barber in the Jackie Robinson movie. Um, he just, was the uh, the a hole boss in Point Break. Uh, yes, correct. I, I said his name wrong. What the hell is John it? McGinley? G- McGinley. I said McGlinchy. I don't know why I said McGlinchy. I'm thinking of Mike McGlinchy, the offensive lineman. John, thank you, thank you very much, John McGinley. And it, I was like, because I had a group of friends, and we all kind of watched Scrubs together. We would get together very and hang good out. Show. And watch. It was a great show. Uh, it was a tremendous show. We would hang out together and watch Scrubs. And so it was like in a personal way, I felt a connection that was a little bit different than other 
significant guests. And we've had a lot of them over the years that are just very random but unbelievably significant. Um, you know, and I... Some of them are just a bit more, they mean something more to me. And this one really hit me. And then it was cool watching over the last few days other people tell me their own personal stories about what American Pie has meant to them. And like, I literally got messages about from people about, hey, you know, we brought, when I was a student, I think it was Stephen Pimlico who said, I was a student at UMBC and we had John, uh, we had Don McClain. I almost said John McClain, <laughs> Bruce Willis running around in the <laughs> air ducts. Um, we had Don McLean come out before American Pie hit, right? Before it was on the radio. And, you know, I think 50 people showed up for the show. And then we had done a deal where he was going to come back, like, later, and you couldn't get a ticket. Like, it was impossible to get in once American Pie hit because it was so overwhelming. He's like, I just happened to be one of the lucky ones that was there for both shows. Like, I got to experience it before. And I actually did some research on that. Uh, because somebody else told me about, like, I was at a Steppenwolf show at the University of Maryland, and Don McLean was the opening act. And I'm like, holy crap, what a show that is. Like, my God, that's amazing. Like, what I wouldn't give to be able to tell that story. Um, and I did some research on that, and literally, Don McLean the next day, played that first show at UMBC, and he played American Pie. Like, you would have gotten to have heard, if you had gone to that show at UMBC, you would have heard Don McLean playing American Pie before anybody knew what American Pie was. It hadn't broken on the radio yet. Like, what a surreal feeling that must have been to have been one of the people at that show. What? It hadn't broken on the radio? It hadn't broken on the radio yet. It's like he had, it just put it out. This was in a different time, a different era, where a record would exist for a while before it would catch... Um, his first his first album that he put out didn't really do much of anything commercially. Mm-hmm. So when he put out the second album, which was American Pie, there was no inclination that from moment one, radio stations, and this is the only way you could find music back in the day, um, that radio ma- stations needed to play it. And it wasn't until I want to say like one DJ in New York started playing it, and then suddenly you know everybody on the planet started playing it. Um, but he was already touring because he was signed to a label. Like he was already like that was a big part of what he did was he played all these like coffee houses and you know whatever venues he could play and colleges. The time made sense, and so he played a show at the University of Maryland, opening for Steppenwolf. And the next day, he played a show at UMBC, which is this show that Steve was referring to that nobody went to, like nobody at all went to, and yet the handful of people that were there got to see Don McLean play American Pie with you know, 40 of their, their closest friends or whatever. Like, I mean, it's just such, such a cool I'm story. wondering if that first DJ in New York who was like, I'm playing it. I yeah, like, like this you, song. Does I'm that playing. make a career for you? Like, yeah, do you yeah. now get to, like, do you don't have to worry about anything? Like, are you, are you the guy? As, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. But, uh, whew. That was so cool. That was so cool. All right. Thank you to Don McLean. And uh, I am definitely going to be, at uh, the Lyric on June 11th. There is no doubt about that. All right, when we come back in, we'll get a tidbit, we'll get tubular, we'll wrap it up. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com 
from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on The Bat Around. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bird, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Our buddy Adam Pohl from the Bowie Bay Sox was responding to Andrew Brent, said, I think it's all relative. If you pay less than most teams for a quarterback, it can be an advantage. Look at how many quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl before their huge increase in salary. Roethlisberger, Wilson, Mahomes stand out to me. Brady has always been a middle-of-the-pack paid quarterback. This is a you know when people make this debate they 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 hang up on this and it's as I said back there's two separate thoughts the first being if your quarterback can be so good that you have the opportunity to win the Super Bowl before he comes up for a contract that's a, it's, of course it's a huge advantage it's a massive advantage to have a quarterback that's so good that you have that chance to win a Super Bowl before you have to pay him but we're throwing that out of the window now now your quarterback's up for getting paid. What is the advantage of moving on and hoping to find another quarterback versus paying and going to try to win? There's no evidence that you can't win once you pay your quarterback. The teams that are in the mix overwhelmingly are teams that have paid their quarterbacks. Now, sometimes they don't actually win, as Andrew Brandt pointed out. Like, Drew Brees didn't win another one. Um, But he was in the mix every year. 
every year. And if they don't get screwed by one of the worst calls in officiating history, they probably beat the Patriots and win another Super Bowl there at the end of his career. Um, Aaron Rodgers makes plenty of money. They're in the mix every year. Well, and now poor Tom Brady has to play till he's 50 to make up for all the money <laughs> right, left the money. on the well, table. And by the way, that's also a mis- this is a misnomer that it's, he hasn't been middle of the pack. He has been one of the higher-paid quarterbacks. They have finessed some of the money. Remember, the Patriots were doing that wacky bit where they were giving some of it to his foundation under the table so that like they didn't have to pay him quite as much. Like, There has been this like theory that Tom Brady was this like ultimate – what an ultimate team player he was, which was just always bunk. I mean, it was just always nonsense. Tom Brady has been played, has been paid plenty of money to play football, um, and and didn't when he got his first contracts. It wasn't after the quarterback contract boom, and then when he got more contracts, um, you know, he got paid plenty. Well, like, oh, the, and by the way, his wife is also a bajillionaire. Yes, it, it, and that makes uh, certainly a little bit of a difference in in that world. Um, it, it'd be wonderful as as Andrew Brandt pointed out it would be so cool if there could be sort of a mid-range for quarterback contracts there there isn't you know what the number is that's what you're going to have to pay it's as simple as that let's get a tidbit tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of press box which is available right now it's the best of issue on the cover you see our Mogaba sports person of the year Justin Tucker inside celebrating the top performances people and moments of 2021 pick it up for free at your neighborhood royal farms any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find press box or read it all at pressboxonline.com slash best of okay so today's tidbit might be a little bit harder so i'm oh, going to give good. you two different options for right, how, that's exactly what i need for, for how we're going to do it all right but in honor of having don mcclain on the program to celebrate the 50 year anniversary of american pie today's tidbit comes from 1971 in the 1971 season, Vita Blue of the Oakland Athletics was named both the AL MVP and the AL Cy Young recipient after yeah. finishing the season 24 and 8 with a 182 ERA and 301 strikeouts. Winning both awards in the same season is a rare feat, having only been accomplished 11 times in history. You can either tell me who the other 10 pitchers are to pull it to pull it off, or who the four pitchers are to do it since 1986. I'll take a shot at it. You said there's ten. Yes, ten. Um. Okay. Well, Sandy Koufax, right? Sandy Koufax, 1963. Um. Somebody did it recently. Who the hell was that? It was Verlander, right? Justin Verlander in 2011. Did Kershaw do it too? Kurt Clayton Kershaw in 2014. Okay. And those are all the recent ones. Somebody do it more yes, recently than the, that? The, those are all the recent ones. The next okay. most recent is, uh, should I tell you the, the date? Well, hang on a second, if I need it. I'm pretty sure that Eckersley, after he had become a reliever, did it. Eckersley in 1992. 92, yeah. That's the next most recent. Um, I want to say Clemens in the 80s. Clemens, 1986. Okay. Pretty solid role here. Yeah, but I think it's about I think I think it's about where I'm going to tail off. I Jim Palmer should have, but he didn't. No. Um boy. Boy, 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 boy. Boy. Oh boy. Um Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson That's 1968. Nothing more than a guess. Just a, a really good pitcher. Uh, with that in mind, 
other really good pitchers. Bob Feller. No. This guy, yeah. I will, one of these guys I will tell you, he is the reason I believe it was Mike Cuellar didn't win a Cy Young. It was either Mike Cuellar or Dave McNally. I can't remember off the top of my head. Had like a phenomenal season where their EA yeah. was like 195. But this guy's season was so otherworldly that he... They, you couldn't help but give him both awards. I don't know why. Was it Denny McLean? Denny McLean. Yeah, it does something. He won something like games. about that sounded familiar to me. He won thirty-one games that year. Uh, three left. You've done better than all, and they're all pre nineteen eighty. No, two of them are in the eighties. Two of them are in the eighties. 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 Oh my! In the eighties. I don't think it was Dwight Gooden. No. Um, Though he should have. That that eighty six season was ridiculous. Nuts, no doubt. Uh, I don't think it was Necro. Raleigh Fingers. Raleigh Fingers, nineteen eighty one. Okay. These last two guys, if you got them, I'd be surprised. Although I'm shocked that you got eight with basically eight guesses. No, not eight, but close. Uh I don't, I don't. And the other one was when it was. It was another one in the eighties. Eighty four and fifty six. Brett Saberhagen. I don't think he ever won. No. Man, Steve Carlton. No. I'll be honest. I'd never heard of this guy, so I'd be shocked if you got this. Good. Good. That's a good standard. Never heard of him, and they won. Uh, I want Cy Young and MVP, and you've never heard of him. That's that is amazing. Well, then it's almost no chance that I know who it is. Uh, you you might you might. I probably have heard of this guy and forgot about him. So it's not Goose Gossage. It's not. Mm-mm. I don't know. Go ahead. I mean, Willie Hernandez, 1984. Okay, I've heard of him, but I definitely had no idea that he had yeah. won. And then, uh, do you want me to just give you the other one? Yeah, probably. I'm Don Newcomb in 1956. Uh, I might have gotten Don Newcomb eventually, but. All right, that's a good list. That's a very good list. Yeah, you did really well. Good list. Yeah, I did better than I expected to do, but a few of those, I, I definitely was never. We were never getting around to Willie Hernandez. That yeah. was never happening. That was the one where I was. He might get Newcomb, Willie Hernandez. He, I, I, I don't think he's no gonna get doubt it. about it. All right, tidbit was also brought to you today by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Tubular is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. That's where we're gonna be on Sunday afternoon, three o'clock. For the Buccaneers-Rams game, looking forward to that. I'll be hanging out with the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. If you've never bet before and you want to learn about betting, great opportunity for you to do that. We're going to help you out. Just come see us. We'll help you out. We'll teach you some things about betting, which you can, of course, do right there on their 50 self-service kiosks. What did I just say? Kiosks. Kiosks? 50 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. If you know about betting and you want to help me make some money on Sunday, I would gladly accept your advice. Come out, hang out. We're going to have a great time. If you've not seen it yet, it is immaculate. What a place this is. We're going to have an awesome time hanging out for the first game on Sunday, the 3 o'clock game, Rams-Buccaneers. And look, I'm not like a Rams fan, many stretch of the imagination, but I think we can all get together and agree that we're rooting like hell against Tom Brady, right? Like we can all just... Like, we can celebrate when the Rams do something good. 
I'm not telling you I want to see the Rams win the Super Bowl. I just don't want to see Tom Brady win the Super Bowl. So the running back Funk from Maryland plays Jake for the Funk Ram- played, Jake Funk uh, played last for night, the Rams, of course. and yep, Eric Weddle's there, so you can root for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, sure. There's I, I'm not I'm not telling you I'm a, I'm not going to pretend to be a Rams fan. I'm just not. Neither like I have I. no feelings whatsoever towards the Los Angeles Rams. Nothing. Zip zero zilch. But I have negative feelings towards the guy that's the quarterback of the other team, so I will root like hell against him. I do feel for the Rams fan base because if they don't win a Super Bowl after all the picks that they've given up over the years... They might never. I hear what you're saying, but they also don't really exist either. They literally just moved there three years ago, so I'm not really sure there is a fan base to feel for. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, they were there back in the day. Some of them were. Like, a small percentage of them might have been Rams fans. 80-year-old Charlie Ford. There's that. Sure. Sure. All right, here's what's coming up tonight. Maryland, Michigan, 7 o'clock on uh, ESPN2 if, if you want to watch your puppy die. Uh, Ohio Jeez. State, I mean, dude, it's what it is. Like, what do you want me to say? I mean, come on, man. BTN's got uh, Ohio State and IUPUI. For some, why is that a game that's happening in January? It's at 7, then Wisconsin Northwestern at 9. Uh, the rest of the college basketball, find it at glennclarkradio.com. By the way, uh, coverage of the Australian Open continues at 9. Francis TFO was a winner last night. One of the uh, matches I made a couple dollars on. So thank you to Big Foe. Coverage uh, back at 9. And so the, tonight would be Rafael Nadal. Although I think it's a late night for Rafael Nadal. Starts on ESPN Plus at 7. Or if you're like me and you have the DirecTV, and the only reason why you keep DirecTV is because of the major, the uh, Grand Slams, good news, you can watch it on your TV. Jets Capitals at 7 on NBC Sports Washington, ESPN Plus and Hulu for Islanders Flyers at 7, NBA TV for T-Wolves Knicks at 7.30, Pistons Warriors at 10, the USA Network for Chelsea against Brighton and Hove, Albion at 3, always unfair that you have to play against both, and then the uh, WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights? So I will admit that I made a mistake yesterday wow. with the guests on the tonight shows on on the late shows. I fi- I fixed it on the website, but the, the guests that I said were for last night are actually for tonight. So Ricky Gervais okay. is on All the right. Tonight Show tonight, etc. Anything else? Um, American Auto at eight on NBC. Grand Crew at eight thirty. This is us for Glenn <laughs> at nine o'clock on sure. NBC. I do like, by the way, a, a Grand Crew and American Auto. Also, is Tuesday nights the night for Abbott Elementary because I'm 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 in on that. I think that's Wednesdays. Okay. Um. Also tonight on Hulu, How I Met Your Father. Oh yeah, it's not two. I'd never heard of it until I looked up these shows. Two episode series premiere. You are wrong. Abbott Elementary is on Tuesday nights. Is it? It is Tuesdays at nine. Get on that. Get on that. Oh no, I have it listed. I have it listed. I just didn't think you were interested. I I do have it listed. Well, then why didn't when I asked the question, did you not say? Because I wasn't looking at ABC. I was looking at NBC. Uh, It's definitely not on NBC. It's on ABC. Yeah. My apologies, yes. Yeah, way to screw it all up. Way to screw it all up. <laughs> As anything, I always do. Anything it's a, else? It's one at 9 o'clock tonight. No, um, that's that's about it. All right, very good. All right, uh, thanks to um, Don McLean. Holy crap, thanks to Don McLean. Holy crap, thanks to Don McLean. Thanks also today to Andrew Brandt as well as to Patrick Stevens. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, uh, the world's strongest man. A man who was a, a very accomplished Olympic powerlifter and uh, a Hall of Famer as a professional wrestler. Mark Henry is going to join us. Um, AEW is going to be in D.C. Uh, for two shows this week. And in between, Mark Henry is coming up to uh, Baltimore to do an event at uh, Jimmy's to raise money for the Brigance Brigade, which we like. So that's on Thursday night. Normally we would do this type of thing on the, the, the wrestling show, but unfortunately... The wrestling show will not be taping before Thursday night, so we want to make sure we get some love to Jimmy's in that event that they're doing for Brigands Brigade. So Mark Henry is going to join us tomorrow. I assume Drew Forrester will be joining us tomorrow. And, of course, as always, stuff and things on the program. 
Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, ExxonMobil, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and MyBookie. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Maryland. Sure, why not? Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.